My name is Sean Thomas. I'm the author of Be More Today, a 40-day guide to a better version of you. As doctor of physical therapy, I've seen thousands of people do great things. They came to me with ailments, physical ailments, pain, issues, and they got through them, all because they decided in their mind they were going to do it. So I wrote a book about it. Your thoughts can make you great or they can make you crumble. Those thoughts actually control everything in your life. I have three things I want you to do. Starts. Things I want you to start doing in your life that you said you wanted to do at some point in time. You said them. Stops. Things I want you to stop doing in your life, which I know you also want to stop. And three goals for your lives. And I take you through a 40-day guide to make sure you take those thoughts for those three things into reality. Now, I put some workouts in there too. Workouts to keep you always on the move because you got to keep moving. you got to stay focused. So, 40 days. Thoughts, workouts, you. And all I want you to do is trust the process and just be persistent. Visit BeMoreTodayBook.com. That's right, BeMoreTodayBook.com. And I guarantee you, if you just trust the process and be persistent, you too can be the best version of you. why why do you want to be more today than you were yesterday you already know that you have to trust the process and just be persistent you already know that next level results require next level effort period but why is today different than any other day what's your why how are you gonna get to the next level see most of you want to make it to the promised land of success but aren't willing to make the sacrifices let me be clear. Nobody said it was gonna be easy. No handouts, no excuses. It's just you versus you. It's go time. Find your wife for the 5 a.m. wake up call. Find your wife for the extra mile you have to do after the workout. Find your wife to face that fear. Take that test. Make that move. Come on, y'all. Your whole life has been a warm up for this moment right here, today. Are you finally ready to play? You gotta decide to stay always on the move. Less talk, more action. Just be better. Just be more. Be more today. What's going on, folks? Your boy again, Dr. Thomas, back in the building with the Be More Today show. We are back. We are back. We are back in the building. We're here in the month of April. You can hear the birds chirping. The sun is out. It is shining now. And it's been a great month. We are now in the month of April. And the Be More Today show, as you know, continues to be that thing. It's the movement. We are everywhere doing so many things. Uh, so like us and subscribe. BeMoreToday.com is our website. We're on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify and all others. Be more today. Be more today. Go out there and subscribe to our show. You will not be disappointed. And for those of you who have been listening and following us for the last four years, again, 78 countries, 44,000 downloads. It's thanks to your love and support that we're even still here doing this thing. So uh, check out our more merch store. Uh, on the Be More Today site, go on to our webpage. Uh, and if you have any questions about anything related to Be More Today or any guests you've heard on the show for the last four years, email me at info at bemoretoday.com for all those things. Your love and support never goes unnoticed. My quote for today 
is simple as always. Occupational therapy is where science, creativity, and compassion collide by Jessica Kensky. April is the month for occupational therapists to be appreciated, to be loved, and to be adored for all that they do. And as a PT, I am uh, very excited to bring on guests who uh, have the passion that I also have for my patients, my clients. Uh, it is a labor of love sometimes being in this profession of healthcare. But there are certain professions that I think do a great job of showcasing their talent, their, the science that we have, the creativity you can put into that thing, and the compassion that is necessary to bring people out of their ruts, out of their walks of life, out of their injuries, out of their issues to get back to the life that they love. And as you know, we've been highlighting a number of our clinicians for our uh, sister company, Jaguar Physical Therapy. On our show, we had ATs highlighted for the month of March. And for the month of April, we're going to highlight a few of our occupational therapists. So I have two special guests on the show today who both went to my alma mater, Downstate Medical Center, Downstate in the house, stand up all day, every day. Our first guest is a great friend of mine. We've been working together for a number of years now. I'm super excited to have her on the show. Her name is Maxita Alvarez. Now, as an occupational therapist specializing in hand therapy practice, Maxita's absolute passion has been to increase her patient's awareness and knowledge of their injuries. Through understanding, we are able to capture purpose and work hard to achieve these goals. Patient education is essential in ensuring compliance and improvement. Her growth as a clinician has been inspired by the most amazing group of therapists and physicians who have mentored and educated her through her outstanding and exemplary work. Each day, Max works to motivate and inspire her patients to do more than they did before. She incorporates her patients' unique experiences, goals, and purpose as she works together with each individual patient to get them back to performing their daily life skills while regaining mobility and strength. Maxita has worked throughout various hospital settings, including St. Vincent's Mount Sinai Hospital. Uh, she's been in the private practice sector and has also been in outpatient therapy and is, again, a member and alumni of Downstate Medical Center. Maxita, welcome to the show. What's going on? Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure. I was really excited to do this, and I look forward to uh, just bringing about my special perspective to you. No problem. No problem. Our second guest for the show today is Esther Molina. She graduated from Senior Downstate, again, a Downstate grad uh, with a master's in occupational therapy in 2019. Esther completed her fieldwork level two placement with Max, which is amazing, which led her to her career at Jaguar Physical Therapy in 2020. Esther is a Grafson Technique Provider, Kinesio Tape Provider, and certified LSVT Big. We're going to talk about a little bit on the show today as well. She is committed to serving her communities in South Brooklyn, where she grew up and is fluent in Russian. She is prides herself on the use of humor in order to build relationships and her patients and assist them in reaching their goals. She is currently studying to achieve her goal of becoming a certified hand therapist. Esther, what is going on? Hello. Thank you, Sean, for having us. Really appreciate it. No problem. And we are going to be blessed with our third guest on the show. Krista is here in the building. And Krista is a licensed occupational therapist 
and a recent graduate from SUNY Downstate. Her time at JAG One Physical Therapy dates back to 2016, where she was a volunteer in the OT aid in hand therapy. Interest in hand therapy continued as she completed her fieldwork level two, working again under Maxita, leading to her current employment at JAG One Physical Therapy. Krista strives to work with each patient using a client-centered approach by understanding their needs and values while incorporating a unique plan of care that marries their daily activities. Her goal is to become a certified hand therapist as well as to continue to expand her practice and knowledge to educate and rehabilitate her patients. Krista, what is going on? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. How are Hi. you? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. How are you guys? We're great. We're great. And I'm so happy to have each of you on the show today. We got three downstate grads, four more myself included, and this is going to be the downstate show. <laughs> I got to just say thank yes. you, ladies, for joining us today as we celebrate occupational therapists all around the world. We're highlighting the Marine Park office this week. And I have a couple of questions for each of you uh, because... OT and PT are so connected, but are also very different, but are so connected. And I wanted to bring you guys on the show to talk about the, the beauty of OT, because I think that sometimes we we lose sight of, of OTs in certain aspects, um, depending on what kind of place you're working in or what kind of environment you're in. Um, OTs have a, a very unique skill set that I think needs to be enhanced and highlighted. So I want to have the show just to really talk about you and the great things you've been doing in the South Brooklyn area, but I want to start with Maxine first, or Maxita first, because Max, you've been doing this thing for the longest out of each, each of us. You, you're you're the vet here, right? You've been doing this, <laughs> and this is basically what you do. So, can you just define for the listeners who may or may not know? And I always do this because there are people who still don't know what we do as clinicians. What is occupational therapy? So, occupational therapy is the therapeutic use of everyday life occupations with persons or groups um, to support their occupational performance. So an occupation is basically what activities that are meaningful and, and, and that matter to a person that um, define that person's purpose in, in life. And so we incorporate those activities, those occupations in our work in everything that we do and we work, we strive to get them back to be able to perform those occupations again. So if it's a mother who's just had a newborn baby and has a tendon problem with her thumbs and is unable to lift that baby up, then we work with her, we assess her motor skills, we assess her sensory function, we assess her range of motion, and then we work with her to reduce pain, to be able to lift that child again, to be able to do her occupations in uh, in terms of that child. Love it. Yeah, so Love that's a, a brief example of what we do. So we look at the person's motor skills, cognition, sensory skills, and all of those things, as well as their occupational profile. And we incorporate all of that into our treatment plan and then establishing our goals. Beautiful. Now, a number of people come up to me and I'm sure they come to you as well. And they say, well, what's the difference between OT and PT? 
what you know what you guys do this and they do that but it's kind of the same but is this different than you guys do hands and they do feet and you know what what's happening is that a real thing or is that you know so i'm just curious and i can ask this actually to each of you if, if you wanted to chime in when people ask you you know the difference between what you do and what we may do what other didactics may do what separates ot from pt or from athletic training or from anything that's going to be different in terms of uh the healthcare spectrum so for me, uh, the, and the way that I see it in my everyday practice is occupation, is getting that person back to their role in life, to their daily activities after an injury. So although I may utilize motor skills or sensory, although I may uh, utilize all of those things, my key purpose is to get them back to their either work or daily activity, or their role, uh, and how they function. Anything you want to add to that, Esther or Krista? Um, sure, I'll add. Um, I was also thinking, looking, I look, I like to look at what the individual values um, in life and things that they find very important to them, and use my clinical um, judgment and um, try to adapt to figure out ways that I can use the therapeutic practice and and um, kind of transfer that skill into the therapy world so that when they're home or when they're in their everyday day life, they're almost, you know, mimicking those activities that we practice in in the in the session. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I, I think about a number of things that come to mind with that. Um, you know, function is, is one thing, but getting back to doing the usual things that we do every single day, no one really knows what it's like when you can't do certain things that you're so used to doing, right? Whether it's brushing your teeth or combing your hair or, or you know, writing, all these different things. I have an eight-year-old and, and I've been teaching her a number of things clearly because she's eight. But when I'm teaching her these things, I, I remember, yeah, there was a point in time where I couldn't do those things either. And the, the, the practice of learning those things either for the first time or relearning them it's a very, it's a very innate one. I think that people lose sight of, and you don't really appreciate those things until you can't do them. And that's why right. I think OT is so important because you really are restoring um, quality of life. I mean, for things that so people take it for granted, literally every single day, when you can't do those things, then it becomes so important to get those things back. And I saw a quote that was written by um, one of the former um, A O T A presidents, uh, Virginia Staffel, and she said. Um, she said, it's not what matters with what, what's matter with you, but what matters to you, right? So sometimes we look at people and say, oh, wh what's wrong with you? Like, what's, what's going on with you? How can I fix this? But it's really like, like you said, um, Krista, you know, what, what's more important to you? What, what can we help you with to get back to doing whatever you want to do better or be able to do that on a regular basis like you were doing before? And I think that's a, a concept that not just OT sh should we really be um, embracing, but all clinicians to figure out the best way to serve our patients and our clients and say, well, what do we want to get back to doing? And that's why I love our, our theme or our motto, you know, get back to the life you love, because it's really about that. Whatever you're trying to get back to, we're going to help you to do that. Whether it's activity-wise or functional, whatever it's going to be, we can do that. And and that's why I think Jag One is, is one of the best companies because the motto alone stands, but the, our clinicians behind that motto really pushes that and drives that. And, um, you know, Max, I, I want to talk to you again about the population we're talking about, because 
with that same occupational theme, right? Getting people back to their activities, a number of people come to mind that fall into the category that will need OT compared to other modalities or other didactics. So what populations um, really fall under OT when it comes to the people that you guys see at the Marine Park office? We see um, primarily we specialize in hand therapy. Uh, um, That's a part part of what occupational therapists do. And so our focus is treatment of the elbow, forearm, wrist, and hand. And so we primarily focus on those while we work to get the person back to their activities, their life, their roles. And so we see children, we see children as young as uh, three years old, uh, two years old, even newborns, all the way up to, you know, 80s, 90s. Wow. You know, one of the things that I think about when I hear that is the, the, the vast array of issues that we as humans experience from young to old. And, you know, I think one of the things that, 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 inspires me to keep going as a clinician. I've been doing this now for about 12 years. Um, is that people are going to have issues, right? Just, just life takes us various places. Um, but with those things, I think it's it's really important that we as clinicians remember if you've ever been injured before or, or just remember what we why we want to do this thing in the first place, that it's really the compassion component that makes things better for everyone, right? Anyone can go to school. Anyone can learn stuff, right? You can learn whatever... We're all downstate grads. So you went to downstate. You went through the the boot camp that is downstate and came out victorious. And now we're practicing our craft, you know, in various places. But I do think that the quote that I mentioned earlier is poignant in the sense that, yes, it is about um, education. It is about the science. But it's also about the creativity and the compassion that makes specialties like OT special, right? And, and it sets them apart to make people want to feel better. So, you know, Kristen Esther, I, I met you guys at um, a work event that we had, which was a leadership event that we had earlier. And the reason we're having the show in the first place is because you guys were like, yeah, put us on a podcast. We'd love to do it. And <laughs> I'm a man of my word. So that's why we're here today. And I really am excited you guys are here. But I want to ask some serious questions now that I have you guys on the show. Because, Kristen, I, met, I know you mentioned that um, you want to be a hand therapist or a certified hand therapist. And I think, yes. Esther, you mentioned that also. And I know that we've I've actually had PTs on the show in the past who have also been hand therapists. I didn't even know that there were PTs who also wanted to be CHTs. Um, but it makes sense, right? Because if you're a specialist in that regard, then you can do all kinds of things. So what is inspiring both of you to, to follow this road towards this hand therapy uh, certification? Um, I'll go first. Uh, I've always wanted to become a hand therapist since I first saw hand therapy in my early 20s. And it's just a special designation after your OTRL that shows other people, clinicians, physicians that you are an expert in your field. Because once you have that CHT, other people know that you have a minimum of what is currently now three years and 4,000 hours of experience in upper extremity settings. So that's just like a special little like metal war that shows you that like you are an expert in that field. And it really sets you apart from other OTs because if you are a patient looking for hand therapy, you can go into a clinic and see an OT 
And you can't really tell unless you ask them, how long have you been doing hand therapy? And they might say three days, they might say three years. But if they have a CHT after their name, then you know for a fact that they've been doing this for a while and that they know their stuff. So it's just something that is really good to attain in your hand therapy career. Got it. Okay. Anything you want to share with um, me, Krista? Yeah, sure. Um, for me, I've always, hand therapy was kind of the first thing that I know, that I that I ever knew, actually. Um, dating back to my one-on-one -on -one days um, previously and now into JAG1, uh, hand therapy was the first thing I was ever exposed to in the OT field. And I kind of just fell in love with it from the beginning. It To me, it was something that was so unique, um, something that I really didn't know much about. And also something that I saw a different diagnosis or different technique used every single day when I was there as a volunteer to an aide to now a therapist. Um, you really never know what someone is going to come in with. There's so many, I, Max says it all the time, this field is so unique because there's so many different cases and diagnoses that people can present with. And there's constantly new evidence, constantly new techniques being used. Um, and it's, it really is just, I've always just been fascinated by hand therapy, not even the anatomy side, just how OTs can really use their skills to get somebody to really get back to their everyday life. And I don't know, I'm getting the chills thinking about it because it really just is a unique setting of OT and not that many people, um, not enough people are in are in the hand therapy field. And I hope that we we continue to get more exposure and, you know, it becomes something that it's not something that OTs are afraid to become because it's so science based. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something that a lot of people are afraid of because it is so science based and they think that maybe they won't be able to do it, but it is any like it, it. It's just so fascinating. I don't even have a clear explanation of of it because it really is a beautiful setting of OT. I see that now, Max. Are you are you a CHT, Max? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I've been a so, certified hand therapist. Okay. For so several years. I'm going to ask you this question first, and I'll come back to Kristen and ask that. So, what what goes into the training? I guess the additional training besides the hours. Um, to become a CHT, is there an exam? Is there, how, how does that work? Yes, yes. There's uh, initially, I believe there was 5,000 hours. Now I believe it's 4,000 hours mm -hmm. of supervised hand therapy work. So you're working alongside or being mentored by another certified hand therapist. Okay. And in addition to that, you're learning uh uh, like Krista mentioned, the science of it, the uh, splinting, range of motion, uh, to treat so many different conditions, burns, tendon injuries, nerve injuries, um, all different types of fractures. Uh, it, it's just uh, never dull. But besides <laughs> that, you have to sit for an exam the exam is a four-hour exam, and it encompasses all that we've spoken of, the um, anatomy, the, the physiology, the uh, splinting, and, you know, so many va various topics. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it really takes at least nine months to a year of study to prepare yourself for that exam. 
And then after you sit the exam, in addition to that, you have to continue to take continuing ed education courses um, so that every five years you recertify and 80, 80 hours of uh, continuing ed education is required to recertify. And if you do not meet that component, then you have to sit for the exam again. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's a very big deal. Um, I, I have yes. a couple of friends who are CHTs and uh, I haven't spoken to them about the, the rigorous uh, road to get to get that thing done. But the ones who are doing it, they love it. And they, and they do share yes. the same excitement that you both are sharing right now, especially you, Krista, about, you know, the things you can do once you achieve it and the reputation or I guess the respect, Esther, that you also get once you have that thing. I, I think it's it's a Comparable, you know, at least to us, to the OCS is very, very similar to that for us. And I think it's it's a mm -hmm. it's a great way for us to expand the profession. Um, a great way for us to make sure that we are recognized for what we do know. Um, and I think you're right. We we asked Chris, we talk about the the fear that may um, overcome some people when they think about the studying and the process and the preparation for those things. But you know, I, I do think, like in any didactic or any kind of field. Uh, We've gotten this far, right? We all got through downstate. We know downstate was tough, you know. So you can get through that, and you can get through anything else when it comes to all the other things that make us enhance our profession a little better. So um, I'm curious, Kristen Esther. You know, it's it's one thing to to learn under somebody, either as a student or an intern or whatever else, but now to work next to the same person who was grading you or giving you those um, educational tidbits. What's it like working with Max at the Marine Park office? And, and, and um, you know, I'm just curious what the experience has been for you coming out of downstate and now being in the, in the working world for a number of years now. Is this what you expected? Because I, I talked to a number of people who um, are in school now, and I actually do some adjunct uh, teaching at downstate every now and then. And, you know, the, the expectations for what's going to be in the real world is sometimes different. For all of us, right? We we think a certain way before you even apply to these certain things. And then when you're in school, you think about a different way of, of life happening once you actually graduate. And then when you're actually working, it seems like it either meets expectations or it's completely off. Or there's certain things that match up well or don't match up well. So I'm curious for you, as you're now really working as occupational therapist and you're seeing the grind and you're seeing the patients and you're in the field, you know, is it what you expected it to be? And if not, are there things that you would change to make the profession and the field better? For those who are listening and want to be OTs in the future, or, you know, for those who are interested in what we do as clinicians, I want to hear your, your feedback on that. You want me to go first? You want to go yeah. first? Yeah. Okay. Go first. okay. Um, well, I will start out with Maxita is an icon. Yeah. Um, she, <laughs> she is the face of Jag One's. Uh, hand therapy facility. She yeah. she really has taught me as a volunteer to an aide to a therapist so much. And I think she is a reason that I'm the therapist I am today, truthfully. Um, I think learning under Maxita has been such an honor and a pleasure because she's taught me from showing me that how the how a nerve routes from the neck all the way to the fingertips and showing me uh, like transferring showing me how to transfer that skill when i'm dealing with patients um and it has only been such a pleasure and i 
I'm so ecstatic to work along her because I truly feel like I am getting the experience that I always wanted. And it's really helping me to grow into the therapist I am today. Um, And just knowing that she was a downstate grad also has made me so much more comfortable along working with Esther because we've all shared that one thing of being together as downstate alumni. And I feel like that shaped our relationship together even more. Um, and it's, oh, I, I enjoy going to work because I genuinely can say I go to work to work with my friends and it's such an honor and a pleasure to work alongside both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel like, um, looking back at school compared to now, um, I feel like school has taught me the textbook thinking process of what it, what it means to be an OT, but working in the field as a therapist has really um, taught me to apply the skill, not only the skills that I have learned, but also other skills in life, um, interprofessional skills, social skills, um, just knowing how to deal with a, 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 an array of patients, their personalities, um, as well as knowing, of course, the clinical stuff. And um, school prepares you for one thing, but field work and work itself really is a totally other other thing <laughs> and I don't know if, I don't know if, I don't know but it's it's a journey <laughs> to say the least <laughs> yeah and no, I think I appreciate you sharing that I, I agree with you and the fact that it is a journey um I, I look back at my own uh career I guess you would say and I've, I've compared to when I graduated from downstate to now there's so many things I messed up on there's so many things that I made mistakes with and yeah, kind of grow through and, and learn and relearn, but it is those things that make you a better clinician in the end. And I think that those things, uh, they become less as you get better and better and you mitigate your issues and you share that same thing with somebody else. So the icon Maxi Maxita is sharing that with you guys, which is fantastic. And I'm sure you'll share it with somebody else along the road as well. So Esther, what, what do you want to share about that? Anything? Um, well, I was always interested in hand therapy and I actually volunteered at multiple hand therapy clinics before I even got into downstate. Once I got into downstate and I mentioned my interest in hand therapy, my field work coordinator was like, well, you're going to go work with Maxita at Jack One. Like that's going to be, if you want to be a hand therapist, she was like, you have to go to Maxita at Jack One. And so once I did that and the amount of growth that you will re- receive in three months underneath Maxita, it is incomparable. You will become this little novice where you think you know something from two years of downstate to a full-fledged therapist in three months. And in order, the biggest fear about graduating from downstate or a master's in OT is going out into the world and being like, well, how am I going to be a clinician? And I would even say that those three months of Max, I felt super confident but the best thing is to come back where you were a student and then work because you're not just like plunging in to like cold water you're like no idea what's going on you know you come back to a warm welcoming environment with familiar faces where you know your mentor your supervisor you know the front desk you see patients that you've read as a student and it's just a nice and wonderful transition and if anyone has met max they know that she is the most amazing nice understanding mentor supervisor not only clinically professionally personally you will grow as a person as an ot as a human being (laughs) you will meet you'll know how to not only treat patients but just be professional the amount of professionalism that i witness 
being at Marine Park, you just like take notes. You're like, okay. You start to really go from being in your early 20s and having an attitude to just having grace and having patience and having and knowing how to just execute yourself around everyone, around all levels of staff, around all walks of life. And you come out with a completely different appreciation for not only the profession, but just interacting with people daily. Esther, I think you said it right when you said the word grace. It is not easy being a clinician. Um, and, you know, listeners, I don't know where you are right now, but certain areas are a little more challenging. Um, diversity, um, economic difference between patients. Um, you know, patients in New York are a little different than patients in Jersey, which is a little different than patients in Pennsylvania. So being able to adapt and to know your clientele is a skill. And like you said, you go from a clinician that may have a little bit of attitude, a little bit of spunk, a little bit of, you know, ego, whatever else, to being able to really be a clinician that is not going to let small things get to you. And to remember that what you're doing is for the patient's benefit, regardless of how you feel, what they say, what's going on. You know, it's all about getting them to be, like you guys mentioned earlier, to get back to those ADLs that you're trying to get back to. And I think sometimes it's hard for newer clinicians and even harder for seasoned clinicians sometimes to kind of take a step back and not take things so personal. To take a step back and recognize that whatever we're doing should be for our patient's benefit. No matter how our our day is going, no matter how our week is going, how many notes we may have to do, how many whatevers, that person who has an issue or has a difficulty or has a, a, a problem doing that certain thing, whether we like it or not, whether we want to attend to them or not, whether we're having a bad day or not, that issue will be there Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And we have to make sure that we come up and show our best on all those days to make sure they get better. And I think the great clinicians, the great professionals, like you guys are mentioning, like you guys are, are the ones who can kind of set those things aside, like Max, right? The icon and go out there and, and <laughs> showcase whatever we need to do to make them better uh, as patients in the end. Because in the, in the end, it's really about them. It's not even about us ever, you know? It's really about getting them better to be, like we all talk about, to get back to the life that they want to love and get back to the life that they love indeed. So Max, we salute you. And, um, you know, the question I have for you now, Max, because you are the lead OT, right, for the entire NYC or New York area. It's a big department. There are a lot of OTs in New York. And you've mentored Esther and Krista here, and that's that's been fantastic. And they clearly love you and adore you. Um, But I'm curious, I'm curious, Max, as you've been given this task to to look over the the NYC contingent. how are you managing in terms of holding down the Marine Park office, which by itself is one of the biggest offices in Brooklyn, right? As we're both in the South Brooklyn yes. area. And then how are you unifying the other OTs in the NYC area so that the same grace and the same professionalism that you've showcased at Marine Park is also being distributed in other offices across the New York State area? How, how are you doing that? What's your secret? I I think the secret is communication. Honestly, communicating. I'm in touch with all of the clinicians, at least on a weekly basis. I listen. I listen to their concerns. They can contact me with any clinical questions or concerns. I make it um, my policy to be there, to be available. If I'm not available immediately, I make time and I listen to their concerns and we 
if there's an issue with a, a treatment or a condition or whatever it may be, we take the time to sit down to go over it. And I make sure they understand and they know what they have to do and that they know that they have my support. And I let them know that I'm there for them and that I will advocate and I will fight for them. And um, my only expectation is that they be the true professionals that they are, that they treat our patients with compassion and respect, and that they carry themselves you know, well every day. That's that's what I ask for, and um, and and they provide it, and so it's easy to to do that to mentor them. That's great, Max. I got to say, you yeah. know, the, the the way you outlined it just now is is very very simple. It seems like it's oh, we gotta just do this and do all these things. <laughs> and I think I think I mean you're a great leader, so people are doing that. Um, but I do think some people have a hard time doing that consistently. I think consistency is one of the things that we, even as clinicians, have a hard time um, be, being in that same mindset of saying, yes, those things sound great. I'm going to do those things. But can I do those things on a Friday after I'm tired from seeing people during the week? Can I do those things, you know, as we get into the later portions of the year where some of us may be a little drained from seeing and giving and pouring out into so many people on a regular basis. And I, I think, you know, it, it does come down to, like you said, communication with your with your team and being able to see where they are and how they can adjust and, and, and maintain the great ideals that you've already laid out. And I mean, you've been doing a great job in the New York area. And and I just want to say I'm proud of you and I salute you for, for holding it down. Thank you. Our OCD department you. is one of the best. Um, one of the best in the Northeast. And it's all thanks to Thank leaders you. like you, Max. And of course, the clinicians we have here, Esther and Krista. Um, I want to segue into a, a separate question. I know many of you have worked in a hospital setting for at least internships, if not clinicals or what have you. And the question always comes up. I think the question always comes up between OTs and PTs about, well, in certain areas, right? You may see a patient and in certain hospitals, they only allow in certain hospitals, OTs deal with upper extremities and PTs deal with lower extremities, right? Or if someone comes to our clinic and they maybe come in with a, a, an elbow or a wrist issue or a shoulder problem, they may go to see us for OT and they may go see you, see you for PT, um, which I think is interesting because we both know so much about shoulder and elbows and what have you. But I'm curious when it comes to lower extremities, um, do you have a number of lower extremity patients that you each see in the Marine Park office or in terms of OT departments across the New York City or New York State area? Is that something that OTs also are dealing with or working with client-wise? And if so, what things are you working with them in terms of um, exercises and, and modalities and treatment plans for lower extremities? So you talked a lot about hand. You all mentioned hand. You want to be hand therapists, which I think is, is very um, commendable. I'm just curious for listeners if, you know, when it comes to lower extremity things, what are the OT components or what are the OT issues that you may see when it comes to things that are not related to the hand? We also treat patients who have neurological disorders, so strokes, Parkinson's disease. And so we do uh, transfers with them, bed mobility with them, being able to get from their wheelchair um, OTs also do wheelchair positioning and um, uh, um, motorized, uh, helping the patient to be able to utilize a motorized wheelchair. We also do driver's education 
uh, driver's ed. Um, and so we are working with our clients to do transfers from various, um, from a chair, from a wheelchair, um, and making sure that they can do lower body dressing and things of that nature. That's great. I didn't know about the driving thing. That's that's amazing. But again, that makes yes. sense. Right? We're talking about activities that people have to get back to doing. And it's funny because the number of people that I see say, am I ready to drive yet? You know, and I, I don't really think about OTs being the ones who can really help them to get back to doing those kind of things. So I'm glad you shared that. And I'm glad that my listeners are also hearing that for the first time as well. And so you mentioned in your bio about uh, LSVT Big. Can you talk to the listeners about what that is and what population that certification falls into? Yeah. LSVT Big is an additional certification that you would take, and it's for specifically the Parkinson's population. So it's a specific type of treatment, and it comes with certain exercises that you would use specifically for those who have Parkinson's. So it has like motions, and it's talking about like you have to like do very big like motions and movements as well as like speaking big and that's proven to help reduce some of the symptoms that people with parkinson's uh, are affected with so it's uh something that you would have to do every single day but it's an additional certification additional um form of study that i did as a downstate student gotcha gotcha that's great you know I, i think that a lot of the neurological issues that we see as 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 humans um sometimes get overlooked and sometimes they're misdiagnosed. So, you know, having clinicians like yourself and others who are able to give those clients or those, those patients things to do to be better at whatever they're trying to do for life is going to be beneficial. And, you know, we see a number of Parkinson's patients and um, some who have Parkinsonian issues and some who don't have Parkinson's, but present like they probably do, um, you know, and we try to show them things to do as well. But I do think those populations need more. They need more things that can be specific to what they have to do to get back to being better at, at function and at mobility and at strength and whatever else and walking and transfers. So um, I'm glad that you, you you studied that. And I hope that we can learn more um, from what you're doing at the Marine Park office in terms of those things. Because the number of patients that we see that maybe not for Parkinson's, we actually see. And, you know, everyone kind of treats those things differently, but um, it'd be great to learn more about those things that you guys are doing over there at Marine Park and for others who are also seeing similar patients. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I have a question. I, I know that this is kind of a sidebar. Um, Marine Park is, is a microcosm for uh, various professions, right? You have OTs, you have PTs, you have neuro. Um, and it's all in one location. If you've ever been to the office, it's everyone kind of c- combined into one. Most offices you see is either PT or it's OT or, you know, it's, it's, it's separated. But your office is is basically the United Nations of healthcare right now, right? So <laughs> I'm curious, I'm curious for all of you just want to share what that's like. Because it's very much similar to almost like a hospital kind of a feel without the MDs mm-hmm. and the nurses and whoever else will be, you know, the attendings on, on the floor. What's that like when it comes to the total treatment plan for patients who are walking in? So say someone walks in and maybe they have something that is similar to Parkinson's or they have something that's similar to um, a shoulder issue or an elbow issue. And, you know, who determines who sees who? Who determines that they get to go to neuro? Are they going to see one of you for OT? Are they going to see someone for PT? Is it a combined treatment program that everyone sees someone else and you guys meet? How does it work when it comes to the overall treatment of patients at your office? Anyone can start. I think uh, 
any any the any patients who have neurological problems are seen by the neuro department uh neurophysical therapy for uh they see paid clients who have strokes like i said parkinson's ms um vestibular and balance issues and so they sort of treat that department and in addition to that a lot of the stroke and the Parkinson's patients cross over to OT. So we share a lot of patients. Um, uh, and that actually is a great thing because we get to see carryover and we get to see if they're engaging in the things that we teach them in OT, then are they following up with them when they're in PT? And we have wonderful therapists Crystal and and uh, Jerry Lee, and they really make sure that once they hear us reinforcing something for our clients, that it's carried over in, in neurophysical therapy. So I think it's a benefit and vice versa with uh, regular physical therapy. So if the person is being seen for their shoulder and physical therapy, I mean, and uh, and their hand in occupational therapy or for their knee and physical therapy in their hand, we're able to still sort of keep an eye on them, see what they're do doing, see how their issues may carry over to um, to to occupational therapy and keep them accountable. So we we I, at least I love it <laughs> because I'm really able to keep an eagle eye and make sure that they're following up on their programs. So it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, Esther. I would say it's good. It's like a checks and balances system where you'll have a patient that will maybe come for their hand. They have carpal tunnel or OT and you know, you're doing your regular treatment and then maybe like weeks go by and there's really no change. So then you're kind of like, maybe it's cervical, which here in JAG, like we're not really, we're not, OTs are not really going, it's like the cervical issue. So then you kind of like walk over to PT and you're kind of like, hey, maybe they have cervical issues. Maybe it's like a double crush injury. And then it's like a collaborative kind of thing going on. And the same thing for like neuro, where you can just basically do a, a wonderful carryover and you could even do a co-treatment sometimes when time allots. And it's really wonderful because some of these patients, you know, the ones that it, like need a lot of help and they need a lot of assistance, contact guard assistance, you know, you call over the neurological PT and you're like, let's just do this transfer bed mobility. Let's do this all together. Like if we have five, 10 minutes, it's a slow day, it's raining, it's snowing. Let's like really work on it together and do the best possible thing for the patient. Yeah, no, I completely agree with both Esther and Max. Um, although we're in our own unique discipline, at the end of the day, it's still a very collaborative office. Um, all of the clinicians really get along so well where we're constantly bouncing ideas off of each other, whether it's for an exercise or just talking in general about a diagnosis and how we could better somebody's somebody's everyday life and even if it's say if if OT has a patient who they don't go to PT or they don't go to neuro everyone in the office knows everyone knows everybody it's so it's such a it's such a unique office because of how close everybody is and it really is that interprofessional collaborative um experience every day and you could really tell by how up uplifting the office is the music is always going um it's it's a lot of fun <laughs> That's great. You know, one of the things that I 
I liked about the hospital, that I don't work in the hospital, clearly I work with you guys, but I chose outpatient because I wanted the freedom to do what I wanted to do without the uh, um, the hierarchy that sometimes comes in the hospital setting. But what I did like about the hospital setting was the team collaborative, was the teamwork, was the, the meetings about patients, was the brainstorming about best ways to treat a certain didactic or a certain issue or pathology and having the input from OT and PT and the MDs and the nurses and whoever else to come together to say the best plan of care for that patient. We called it um, case something. I remember we talked about it in the hospitals a long time ago, but you guys have that ability to be able to come together and say, look, let's collaborate. Let's, let's brainstorm. Let's come together and see, you know, what was happening. And even like you said, um, Esther, about doing a co-treatment, those things I think personally should really be a staple for every office that we have, right? If, can you imagine mm -hmm. if every office had PT and OT together, maybe even AT also? I mean, it would be the, the perfect combination of someone coming in, being able to be assessed for whatever their issue is, and then from the beginning, right? Whatever issue is from the beginning, the co-treatment of OT and PT together, and then once they're done with all those things, to go on to returning back to whatever they want to do, whether it's sport or just regular life or whatever else, and having the eyes, like Max said, the eagle eyes, to have someone showcase them or show them what they should be doing after us, right? Because I think for both you and I, what we always see is people come to us and they feel better and then they leave and they stop doing things. And then they come back because they weren't doing what we were doing when they were with us. So having that accountability, you know, from the start to the end would be great. And I know that's hard because every office is not made that way just structurally and insurance-wise and whatever else. But in a perfect world, I think we all want to be like a Marine Park office to have everyone connect together to get the best plan of care to every single patient. So I think what you guys are doing over there is envious. I'm envious of it. And I think that most places should be um, modeling what you are doing over there as well. So hopefully in a perfect world, we can all do that for our patients. And um, that will be the, the, the staple or the foundation for, for others. My last question for most of you is going to be... Um, you know, occupational therapy is a very special thing. And we've talked about that for the last um, two minutes on this show. But I'm curious, as I always ask for tips, if there are any tips that you want to share for patients or even for people, um, because a lot of the things that we see as clinicians are things that either we're not doing properly in our regular activities of daily life, whether it's postural or repetitive stress issues or not doing enough in terms of activity. Or if there are things that you want to just share for tips for um, uh, uh, patients who are looking to know more about occupational therapy and how they can kind of get into uh, to know more about it from you guys in individually. So what are some tips you can share with people about ways to avoid coming to see you? That's my basic <laughs> question to say to you right now, because I, I'm curious what you can share with somebody to avoid having to come and see a session with Esther or Krista or Mask. When they come to see you, sometimes, you know, they're already too late. But are there things that you can kind of share? And maybe just maybe one thing um, with, the, with the audience about ways they can just live a better life um, when it comes to the things that you've learned in terms of your profession. I'll start with uh, Krista first. Sure. Um, first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, knowing your ergon ergonomics. Um, that's something that's definitely in everyday life. And in this current world, there's constantly uh, new products coming out to improve um, your posture, your um, stability, um, your joints, your joints, everything. So I think ergonomics are a key thing that uh, 
people can bring into their lives, especially those who um, sit at a desk, um, like maybe looking into a standing desk or their posture at their desk, how their computer screen is, or if somebody types a lot, um, uh, like a mouse pad to go underneath their wrist to keep those wrists nice in a neutral position to avoid something like carpal tunnel. Um, but yeah, ergonomics is definitely the first thing that pops into my head. <laughs> That's definitely a good one. Esther, you have anyone to share with the audience? Uh, I would say joint protection principles because um, we have a lot of people with like arthritis. You know, arthritis is like going gonna to affect everybody at some point, but there's also rheumatoid arthritis. And even people who have hypermobility and lack of joint laxity, you have to be very mindful about how you use your joints. So I would even suggest like using a knuckle to like to press a button, using the largest joint possible when like carrying bags, using like a piece of like Dyson, which is like this like resistive kind of like rubber piece that we have, that OTs have. You can get it on Amazon to open like jars, but there's also like lots of products in the household that you can buy to like open jars and open up cans. That way you can protect your joints and keep them nice and young and supple for many years to come. That's actually a great idea too. Yeah, I like both the concepts. Um, and I think, yeah, both of those things are things that we can do on a regular basis, just to be able to make sure that our ergonomics are good and that we are protecting our joints. Like you said, at some point in time, we're all going to have some kind of joint issue. Hopefully not, but as you know, as humans, it's, it's almost inevitable. Um, Max, anything you want to share? I think, uh, I don't know if this is before, but I would say that instead of waiting, uh, when issues first occur, I think the best thing would be to go investigate, go to your doctor, ask a therapist, ask a PT, ask an OT, and get on the right track and don't ignore symptoms for long because people who come sooner have better outcomes and are able to return to function much quicker. And people who, uh, who wait unnecessarily have more, have poorer outcomes. So I would say, you know, as soon as you start feeling a tingling, a numbness, something that tendons hurting, the wrist is hurting, the hand is hurting, shoulder, come get it looked at right away, get on a program, Look at your posture. How's your posture affecting your movement? How are you stretching? What activities are you doing? Are you keeping active? So those are all important things that I I would look into. Yeah, that's sound advice from the icon. Yep, absolutely. Max, last question I have for you. Last question, Max. Any advice that you want to share with new clinicians or aspiring OTs as we are celebrating Occupational Therapy Month? Um, there may be OTs who are listening on the show and they say, you know what? I am inspired by these three women on the show right now. I want to get into this. How can I do that? Or for new clinicians who are like, you know what? I want to be a CHT too. I want to learn under Max Cita too. You know, what are some um, words of advice that you want to share with the new clinicians or even maybe even seasoned clinicians who have lost the passion that all three of you are sharing on the show right now when it comes to our quote, which again, was talking about science, creativity, and compassion. I would say that occupational therapy is such a great career. It's amazing. It's a, an amazing career choice. And there's so many areas of specialty. We just spoke about two or three different areas, but there are many more. And um, when you first initially get in, you may feel that you want to 
go to one area or another area, but give yourself a chance, give yourself time to grow, um, look into other areas, take continuing education courses, learn, 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 and learn more. Yeah. Keep in touch with your colleagues, keep in touch with your colleagues and um, encourage each other, be there for each other, support each other. And uh, before you, and listen to your patients. Patients, they have a lot of wisdom. They really do. And um, building relationships and, and listening to them. Sometimes uh, we catch things that are that are that may seem obvious, but are really listening to them and um, developing those relationships are key. Again, words from the icon, folks. Max, I appreciate you so much. Uh. And <laughs> <laughs> Esther and Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate of each of you. Yes. This is our downstate official show, unofficially, and. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's great just to connect and to talk about the passion that we have for um, for patients. You know, I think everyone who gets into this healthcare field has a genuine compassion for people. And you three have definitely shown that the Be More Today vibe or the Be More Today theme uh, is not just about Be More Today. It's really about incorporating that same theme into your individual lives. And you're doing that every single day with everyone that you touch patient-wise, with the amount of enthusiasm and the humor right, that we talked about earlier um, that Esther is putting into her patients every single day. I have one more question I want to ask. I want to ask it before we close out. Um, I think it's an important component of, of the OT spectrum. Um, and it's the mental health component. And, you know, I, I know that in school, we all took classes together. There were a couple of classes we took together as OTs and PTs. Um, and most of them were, that we did together were, um, were mental health related. And I know that the mental health component, we learned about it a little bit and other didactics learn about it a little bit too. But for OTs, there's more of a focus on mental health, I think, than others. And I just want you guys, as we close out the show, and it doesn't matter who starts, but just to talk about why that's so important to what you do and what do you see when you do focus on that at all in terms of improvements for patients? Is there a greater improvement? Is there any improvement when you talk about the mental health component or when you focus on the mental health aspects of the healing process? Um, what are your thoughts on that as clinicians uh, working with the population that you guys see? I would say that no matter whether or not they set it on their intake form, that if a patient is coming after a surgery, after a fracture, that they probably have um, their mental health is affected because if a patient is seeing you they most likely 99% of the time are seeing you because of something that's affecting their daily life so they're not their usual self they are not feeling 100% and their confidence and their mental health is greatly affected and you have to kind of use your therapeutic use of self a little bit of investigation and I like to use a little bit of humor to kind of find out like what is really affecting them and you're trying to brighten their day and also be a nice resource and just an open person for them to communicate how they're feeling and be there to just really listen for them because if you're in an occupational therapy if you're in the if you're seeing like a hand therapist it's one-on-one -on -one. we're physically touching your hand your shoulder we're with you we're sharing a very intimate moment 
And it doesn't have to be just plain medicinal medical where we just talk about, you know, how are you feeling in terms of like your arm, but how are you actually feeling? How are you coping with what's going on? How are, are you able to help your family? Can your family help you? How can I help you? How can I be there for you? So I feel like that mental health component in downstate, the, the, the psychological fieldwork that we had, it really helps because every single day, every single patient, you're trying to see and like gauge their like mental health status and just be there for them so as an open person and like receiving what they're saying to you. Yeah. Um, just bouncing off of Esther, I think the mental health component is so important. Um, I feel like it's something that we should kind of establish almost from the first day that the patient comes from the from the evaluation, because knowing about their mental health, not even diagnosis or if there is one, but I'm sorry, my dog is barking in the back. <laughs> um, but I think mental health from day one is so important, not only finding out what are you here for, but how are you? How are you feeling? What is going on? Like, how can I help you not only treat you for maybe your wrist fracture, but how can I help you mentally to get through this time? I apologize for the background to get through this time together. At, I'm sorry, because I really it's it's so important because you don't know once they leave that therapy session, you don't know where they're going. Everyone goes through different walks of life and they might come to therapy and you might not know a thing you know, God forbid somebody could, some, there could have been a death or you wouldn't know unless you really understand their mental health. You learn about their personality. I always like to ask every patient something about them so I could kind of spark some kind of type of conversation to, to become more empathetic towards not only what they're here for therapy for, but also their paint the whole picture of their life. Yeah. And I really think that helps build a nice relationship between the patient and the therapist. Yeah. I think your dog is agreeing with you on that. And I agree with you. <laughs> I am sorry. No, you're great. Um, Matt, I just wanted to bring up an example, like recently that happened in the, in the Marine park. And yeah. because we are women in Marine park, mostly and for the, for the OT section. And it's kind of like a little like woman safe center, especially with Max Tita. Um, I had a patient who was recently receiving radiation for cancer. So she was coming with like a hoodie and I wanted to do some shoulder mobilizations on her. So I was saying like, do you want to take off your hoodie? And she was like, but then you're going to see my hair and my hair's falling out. And I looked around, and I just made sure that it was like a quiet, like nice, like not really a lot of patient space. And it was just like me and Max and like maybe one or two other women. And I was like, it's all women here. And we all understand what you're going through. And I just want to get you better. So if you don't want to take off your hoodie, you don't have to. But if you take it off, like I promise, no one's judging you like you're a warrior. And she really felt like we were so open and communicative just from like the warmth that like Maxita shows her patients, how the other patients appreciate. Like everyone is such like a friendly, nice environment that she felt like comfortable enough to, to take off her hoodie and show something that she's insecure about. Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. Yes, I, I I agree with both of them, Sean. We we encounter, especially I think with issues of the hand, because they may they need their hands to return to function to be able to do. And so there may be a lot of anxiety. There may be sadness. They may so many different emotions. And so we are on a regular basis able to connect with them 
and encourage them and have them transition through that period of, let's say, immobility where they are unable to do so many activities and reassure them that they will get through this. This is a moment in time. You are going to get through this. And um, we take measurements and we show them session to session how they're improving and how they're getting closer and closer to that goal of Mm. returning to functional activity. Mm. I will say just in closing, you know, one of the things that uh, I've just seen over the years when people talk about um, good clinicians, and this is, this is all OTs, PTs, ATs, whoever else, good clinicians and clinicians who, you know, are okay is, is that connection. It's that ability to see somebody and to be able to assess what they may be thinking in terms of their experience, right? How they may be feeling during their experience, during their injury, during their surgery, during their rehab. Um, like you mentioned about the hair thing. There's some clinicians who will n- never even pick up on that, right? They would just say, oh, maybe she has an attitude. She doesn't want to do her therapy today. Uh, and they wouldn't even address the issue, right? They just kind of brush it under the rug and, and just do whatever they're doing. But again, if you expose that thing, if you put that thing on the table and then make the whole environment a safe space, it changes everything about the person, how they're going to respond to therapy, how they're going to be excited about their progress. It just changes the whole experience and the whole therapeutic experience is based on healing so if you give that person that environment right if you if you lay down the foundation for that then yes they will get better and they will also look to you and say wow you're a great clinician because you were able to see this they might not always say that but if you're not there they might not stay because they know that when you're there they'll get that experience and they might not get that with somebody else not saying the other person doesn't have the same schooling as you and not going to do the same exercises as you because it's usually the same treatment you know if you go on vacation or i go on vacation it's the same treatment program but there's something about the connection that you guys just mentioned right now and i think that is the key that separates good clinicians ot's pt's at's from great clinicians and i think once we do that on a regular basis and we're doing that because we're downstate because we know how that goes but everyone else, right? the rest of the world, other clinicians, other companies, whatever else, I think that that's a really a component that is lacking when it comes to certain people. And I, I don't know if it's an issue in terms of the energy that gets exuded with that or the, it, the ability to recognize when someone needs a little more TLC or when someone is actually going through a thing or to be able to recognize the mental health component that also goes into that and how everyone has their own little nuanced experience when it comes to therapy. But I do think that when people know better about how to read body language and how to read the room and how to read how people are doing things, that makes you an even better clinician. And especially, as you guys said, better OTs because the mental health component, it is it is very intimate. I mean, like you said, one-on-one, table, hand-in-hand and there's just so many things that I'm sure, and again, I'm not an OT, but I have witnessed and been around and experienced that for myself. I know the same intimacy that happens with my patients happens with you and probably on a greater level because there are so many other things that are, are shared in conversation with that one-on-one interaction. So again, I applaud each of you for your work, your dedication, your uh, uh, attentiveness to our patients and to our, our um, clients in the South Brooklyn area. 
And shout out to our regional director, Craig. I got to say his name, otherwise he'll get mad at me. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate all you guys so much, so much for being on the show. You've made April for you and OTs around the world, one for the books. So kudos to each of you. And just keep up the great work. You guys are doing great work in Marine Park, in South Brooklyn area, and OTs around the world. Thank you so much for your service and for what you do. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Thank you so much yeah. for having us. Thank you so much for this format. No problem. Thank you, Sean. No problem. No problem. And folks, don't forget the quote from today. Uh, Occupational therapy is where science, creativity, and compassion collide. And it's true. You heard three different stories. Krista, Esther, Max, talking about the passion they have for helping people, talking about the uh, uh, the humor um, that we use, talking about the mental health components, and talking about everyone just trying to get back to doing what they were able to do before, their regular activities of daily living, those things, when you can't do them, it, it can become the world. And each of us at any given time can be on the other side of that table experiencing what our patients see every single day. So appreciate what you have. Appreciate the life that we have, the ability to move and to breathe and to be able to do certain things. And appreciate the OTs in your life, whether you know one directly or you're seeing one now for, now for therapy. Appreciate them all of this month for April uh, as we'll be highlighting them for this month. And we'll have one more show again later this month to give you a different glance at the vast uh, uh, variety of what OTs are doing around the world. As always, folks, Be More Today's show is that thing. We are continuing to highlight people doing extraordinary things in the world of health and fitness. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. If you have any questions about anything you heard today, uh, visit us at jag1pt.com for our services in the Tri-State area, New York, Jersey, Pennsylvania. And as I always say, have a good day. Have a good night. Have a great life. And continue to take your steps to greatness to be the best version of you. We'll see you next week. Peace.